Now I'm going to ask Suzanne to come and bring us our reading this morning. Thank you. This morning's reading is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, a sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and all the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come and see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honoured by every nation. I will be honoured throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Many years ago, I purchased this book, Walking with Gospel Women, and for many years, um, when I led our house group, I used this as the topics, if you like, and it's the stories of Gospel Women, as its name suggests, told in the first person. Now, the story I'm going to read is one that is well known, but as we always found in our house group when we looked at it, it, the writer was able to bring in different thoughts, different ideas, and so the one that I'm bringing you today, and for our house group that existed, this was back in 2014 we did these. <laughs> so, good on you if you remember nine years ago. <laughs> um, and it's the story of Martha. Martha, well known to many of us, the story well known to many of us, but as I read it through, really engage with Martha's side of things and what is being said to her um, in her busyness, really. There was so much to think about, so much to get done. I'd seen a crowd gathering and had gone over to see what was going on. Not much in Bethany missed my eyes or ears. There stood Jesus. At last, the great rabbi had come to our village. I edged, and dare I say it, pushed my way to the front of the crowd. When there was a moment, I told Jesus that my brother, my sister and I had talked about him and how much we wanted to meet him. Would he like to come to dinner? He smiled at me, a smile that went to the core of my being. It was as if he had been expecting me, as if he knew me or wanted to know me. I took the smile as a yes, then with horror. I realised that it wouldn't just be the rabbi who would arrive at home at the end of a busy day, but his disciples too. Suddenly a dinner for four had become a dinner for 16. <laughs> there was no time to listen or to watch the goings-on. I had to get cracking. By the time I reached home, I had a whole meal planned. I knew what I would do and what I would get Mary to do. I would go round to our neighbours, borrowing all the extra plates and cups we needed, and Mary would start on the cooking. The trouble was, she had other ideas. If you can call her daydreaming, having other ideas. She couldn't seem to concentrate on the tasks in hand and kept gazing down the street. 
When Nazareth eventually brought Jesus and his friends in, we welcomed them. And that was the last I saw of Mary. I struggled on, rushing here and there, flustered, hot and bothered. Occasionally I heard a snippet of what he was saying. The words, kingdom of God and love the Lord your God caught my attention, but were crowded out by the next job. Eventually something in me cracked. Pushing my way into the circle around Jesus, I asked, Lord, does it seem unfair to you that my sister is sitting here while I do all the work? Ask her to come and help me. I shall never forget his response or the tenderness in his voice as he called me his dear Martha. You are so wound up, worrying over the details. There is only one thing worth concerning yourself over, and Mary has discovered it. It won't be taken away from her. It wasn't that he had refused my request that affected me so deeply. It was his total understanding of me and his insight into how I ticked. You see, the meal was only the superficial issue. The real issue was my inability to be inwardly still, my constant need to be doing, my lack of inner silence. The inner me is always thinking and planning, fretting and worrying, restless. So I miss opportunities to listen, opportunities to be refreshed. That very day, I had missed hearing Jesus speak to the crowds, and then missed hearing him speak in the quietness of our own home. In those few words, Jesus had described me, but without passing judgment. He had opened up the possibility of a new way of being, a new set of priorities, a new me. The rest of that evening was a delight to me. I listened intently to Jesus as I served. How I enjoyed seeing the pleasure of those hungry men as they ate our food and relaxed. It was the start of a deep friendship between Jesus, his disciples and my family. And I'm sure that we can all identify with Martha as that story unfolds. The storms of life, the busyness of life, serving God and many other issues are all vying for our time. But by taking time to be still before God in the first instance will allow us to deal with them differently and, dare I say, more effectively. When you stop, become still and focus on God, you will receive the peace promised to you. When you cry out to him in prayer, you will feel his comfort. Many of the Psalms mention this need for stillness, and we've already been reminded of two of them. But there are other references throughout the Bible, and I just want to uh, highlight a few of them now, because it's fair to say that in a lot of cases, being still wouldn't necessarily be the first thing that springs to mind. So in Exodus we read, When the Israelites realised they were being chased by Pharaoh's army, as per usual, they were having a moan. And Moses said to them, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What a strange command when there's a lot of people chasing after you to stand and be still. And in Samuel, now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. In Ruth, Naomi said to her, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. 
for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Habakkuk and Zechariah both pick up, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Be silent before the Lord, all humanity, for he is springing to action from his holy dwelling. And the idea of being still is not just confined to the Old Testament and not just to us. Jesus himself sought the stillness before his father. And I'm just going to make a few references to that. Very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Despite Jesus' plea that his miracles be kept secret, the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to his disciples, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. After Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone. If Jesus, in his earthly ministry, felt the need to get away, often on his own, just occasionally with his closest friends, This must be something that we consider seriously for ourselves, difficult as it may be. It's interesting to note that Jesus took himself off for many different reasons, sometimes due to grief, sometimes after he preached to and taught the crowds and the pressure was too much, sometimes when he'd healed or performed miracles. This shows us that in all situations we need to find this stillness. God is waiting for us to be still before him so he can reassure us that everything is under his control and therefore we need not fear. What a great encouragement in our current times. And this stillness can only be achieved if we are both physically and mentally engaged, taking ourselves out of this world when we meet with God, just as Jesus did. Last week, Ken mentioned being at two places at once, and I thought that was a lovely the, the thought, you know, physically in church, mentally somewhere else. And it's not the same for us when we come to God sometimes. We're half engaged. We're either buzzing around and praying or sitting down praying, but something else is, is on our mind. We need to ensure that when we come to God that we are truly engaged physically and mentally. It isn't easy but our reward will be that assurance he gives us when we are still and truly know that he is God. Amen.